0: And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on uh, Tuesday evening, May 1st, 2018. Kicking off the show Between Something and Nothing by the Ocean Blue. Big, big popular band back in my college days. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. We've got a big show to get to. We've got some Major League Baseball, some NBA playoff action But we start with the NFL draft And we start With my Detroit Lions Now For anybody who's ever heard the show You know that I am loathe to give grades Right after The draft Um, You know that my philosophy Is you can't really accurately uh, Or uh, Efficiently judge a draft until probably Three years in And so we're not doing grades But We will talk about some teams that I thought did well, based on where they got the player, what need the player fit, Um, and then also we'll talk about some teams that uh, I didn't think did a great job. And unfortunately, one of those teams is my Detroit Lions. Now look, I understand my Lions peeps out there, everybody's still in the honeymoon phase with Bob Quinn, and his first two drafts so far have looked promising. Right, will will I guess overlook the fact that he took a long snapper in the sixth round two years ago, who's not even on the team, never played it down. Right, I thought that was a, a, a ridiculous, beyond arrogant move. Right, because the Patriots had done it the year before. Again, if you're the Patriots, you're allowed to do that. When you're the Lions, you're not allowed to do that. Okay, particularly that year when the Lions had already on their roster one of the best long snappers in the game in Dom Muehlbach. So. Um, But we'll look past that. Look, the Taylor Decker pick was a good pick. He didn't play well last year. He was hurt for the first half of the season. He struggled when he came back. But he had a solid rookie year and, by all accounts, should be a very solid left tackle. Second-round pick, Sean Robinson. He's been okay. Hasn't been great. Didn't see the jump from year one to year two that you would have hoped to see. But, you know, he's certainly not a bust by any stretch. And there's certainly still... Some potential there He's still pretty young I think he's only like 22 years old Even though he looks like He's about 40 Graham Glasgow In the third round Center guard for Michigan Has started a lot Played a lot Looks to, again To be like Part of the solution He will be a starter Barring injury this year At either guard or center For the Lions Fourth round pick Was Miles Killebrew A guy that I loved The safety out of Southern Utah Lots of things were Expected from him Last year He started off the year Really well Sort of fizzled out down the stretch. Didn't play a ton. Um, Played in some sub packages here and there. Played special teams. He's a good special teams player. Um, You hope to see a a jump from him. Uh, But in any event, that was three years ago. So that draft right now, I would give a B. Quinn's first draft. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about this year's draft. And... I said it last week. I wanted the Lions to trade down. I thought if they did and got an extra third-round pick, they could address their biggest needs to me, which were interior offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, and running back. So the Lions did not trade down. They did take an interior offensive lineman with their first pick, Frank Ragnow, center out of Arkansas. Um, I saw some of the draft analysts, specifically Dane Brugler, whose guy I bought, who does a great job with the draft and knows a lot. Um, he had him as a second. He had a second round grade on him. Pro Football Focus, uh, as a counterpoint to that, had Rag graded as the highest rated center. So, look, you're going to have varying opinions on these players. You know, you ask ten guys, there's very few players, save for you know a Saquon Barkley. Right, There's varying opinions on a lot of these guys And so The fact that the Lions took this guy at 20 When there were some edge rushers On the board Notably Harold Landry from BC I didn't love it But it's a position of need And I actually would have preferred David Hernandez, the guard out of UTEP That the Giants ended up taking at the top of the second round Second pick of the second round But, you know, again I will defer Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia Probably know more than I do. And this is the guy they loved. And apparently, by all indications, the Bengals who picked 21st right behind the lines would have taken him if the lines did. And supposedly the Patriots would have taken him at 23 if the lines didn't. So um, I have no problem with that pick. Is it sexy? No. But that's fine. It's the adult move. The offensive line has been a disaster. It was terrible last year. They needed a center. More, more than likely, he's going to play center. Now, the GM for the Lions has said, you know, he may play guard. He played, I think, 12 games at guard his junior year. Uh, so he may end up playing guard, and Glasgow may play center. They're going to figure it out in, in training camp and preseason, and that's what that stuff is for. So that's fine. So, in theory, right, the line should be much improved because you'll have an improved Taylor Decker who's going to be healthy, ostensibly, right? You know, he missed all of training camp last year. You have a healthy Taylor Decker. Let's just say for argument's sake, Glasgow's your left guard. Ragnall's your center. Right guard C.J. Lang, who, by the way, was not great last year. I understand he played through a lot of injuries. And listen, as funny a guy and as likable a guy as you'll ever see, he did not play great last year. And right tackle is Rick Wagner, who they gave a big contract to, former Baltimore Raven, and he didn't play great last year either. So, those guys need to play better. Now, look, there were a lot of theories as to why the offensive line didn't play well. One was injuries. Two was the blocking scheme slash the coach, Ron Prince, who was the the, the first guy fired with Jim Caldwell. So, that told you all you needed to know about what Bob Quinn thought about Ron Prince. And there have been whispers and, and, and grumblings from, from players unnamed, but that they did not like his style at all. And it didn't work. So, Look, they brought Jeff Davidson in longtime NFL offensive line coach Played at Ohio State Played in the league um, Supposedly relates much better To the modern-day player So you would think by all accounts The line's offensive line should be Significantly better than last year So I had no problem with that But then we get to the second round And this to me is where the draft started the, The wheel started to come off for Bob Quinn So we identified running back as a need. The Lions realized that it was a need, despite the fact that they signed LeGarrette Blount in the offseason. We talked about him, right? It's a one-year deal. He's 32 years old. You know, Can he give you 15 to 20 carries a game? Probably, probably best served, though, best suited for you know a, a lesser role and, and certainly your, your hammer back, your short yardage back, and your goal line back because that's what he's really good at. And that's fine. It's not going to give you much in the passing game, but that's okay. The Lions have Theo Riddick, who excels in that category. So the Lions there in the second round were sitting there, and they saw Ronald Jones, the back from USC, get drafted in the first six picks, and uh, um, Brandon—not uh, Brandon Chubb, uh, Nick Chubb, the running back from uh, Georgia, who I loved and would have been thrilled if the Lions taken him with their Original pick in the second second round, I would have been very happy with that. But the, the Browns took him, um, so I think what happened is Quinn saw maybe a run on backs. I mean, look, I'll be to be fair here. I mean, guys like Rashad Penny. I do all these mock draft simulators. I understand they're not necessarily always accurate. But two years ago, I did one. I had the lines getting Miles Killebrew in the fourth round. That ended up coming to pass. Last year, I had the lines getting. Um, Michael Roberts, the tight end out of Toledo in the fourth round, that ended up coming and pass. So they're not wholly inaccurate. But so, you know, guys like Rashad Penny, who I had the lines getting in, in, in some of the mock drafts I did in the second and even sometimes the third round, he went in the end of the first round in Seattle. And Sony Michel was off the board. He went at the end of the first round in New England. A lot of people thought he'd be a second round pick. Right? Everybody knew Barkley was going to go Then the other guy everybody thought would be the second back taken was Darius Geis So when the Lions traded up I thought for sure the pick there would be Darius Geis He's an explosive dynamic back out of LSU Now there were all these rumors swirling around That supposedly TMZ had some dirt on him That they were waiting until after the draft to release Never happened And TMZ debunked that myth um, then there were some reports that he got into it with the members of the Eagle staff, specifically Deuce Staley, their running back, their running backs coach. Uh, got into a shouting match with him. Some teams said he came out off, you know, disinterested, arrogant, didn't do well in the interviews. Blah blah blah. Uh, you know, the Lions had him in, and look, if he did a bad job in the interview, okay. But they traded up and took on Johnson from Auburn. Now, on its surface. Everybody I see is all excited about Kerryon Johnson, right? He led the SEC in rushing, he had 17 touchdowns, he can catch the ball, and that's all true. Now, of those 17 touchdowns, five came against Missouri, who's terrible, and three came against uh, Ole Miss, who stinks. He had 30 carries for 100 yards against Alabama, not great. Now, look, I get it. Alabama's great, you know, best team in the country, great defense. They got, what, six, seven, eight guys drafted off that defense this year? I understand. It's not like he got totally stoned and Saquon Barkley had a bad game against Ohio State. Like, it happens. I understand. But just watching him on film, if you're going to try to tell me just based on talent that he's a better player than Darius Geis, you're out of your mind. He's not. He does not have the explosion. He doesn't. He's smaller. He runs hard. Look, the kid's tough as nails. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He looks like a solid back. But he is not, to me, a difference maker. He's not a home run threat. Can he catch the ball? Yep. Does he run hard? Yep. But he's also 5'11, 214 pounds. And if you're gonna to try to run over people like that, at that size in the NFL, and he's you know he's kind of tall and angular, he's not one of these short, you know, fire hydrants, you're gonna get hurt. By the way, he was hurt all the time in college. Now he he guts it out and he plays through injuries. Right? He had a good game against Georgia the first game he, did, he had a bad game against them in the second time they played him In the SEC championship game but That's because he was hurt But if you're hurt a lot in college you know, Unless your usage Is reduced significantly Which I would imagine it will be At least his rookie year with the Lions Because he's going to probably split time with Blount And either Riddick And or maybe even Amir Abdullah Then okay But then why are you trading up For that guy Especially when the Lions were down a pick this year, because they gave away their sixth round pick to St. Louis, or now L.A., for Greg Robinson. So they were short a pick, and yet they traded this year's fourth round pick to move up eight spots to get Kerryon Johnson. Seems like a panic move to me. Now, had they done it for Darius Geis, I wouldn't have minded, because Darius Geis is a first round talent. on Johnson is not. Kerryon Johnson is a third round back. You know, And for all those people out there that liken his game to Le'Veon Bell because he, he's very patient runner, uh, that's all well and good, and I definitely see some of that. But you know what he looks like a lot to me? Former Lions running back Kevin Smith, another guy who had a ton of carries in college, was super dependable, tough as nails, did not translate to the NFL, but wasn't a burner, wasn't a home run hitter, kind of a between-the-tackles guy. And you know, the Lions seem to think that they can run Johnson more outside this year. We'll see. But I did not like that pick. First of all, I don't like trading up as a general rule anyway. So I was not thrilled with that. Because, again, I don't think the Lions were in any position to be giving away draft picks. But, look, if he, obviously if he turns out to be a really good player and is part of a stable of running backs that greatly increases the Lions' running game this year, I'll happily admit I was wrong. But I just don't think it was the right move. Time will obviously tell. And then the third round pick is about as big a head scratcher as you could possibly, possibly get in a defensive back from Louisiana Lafayette named Tracy Walker. Now, I will be honest. I studied the draft really closely. I have been for 20 years. I worked for the University of Maryland football team. I was on a field around guys that got drafted in the NFL. I know what pro players look like. I've been on the field with the Lions at mini-camps. I understand what talent looks like. But I will admit, I don't know anything about this guy. Now, I went back and watched some of his highlight clips. They're kind of hard to see because he played at a small school. He looked like a nice player. Okay. A lot of the draft analysts had him rated as a fourth or a fifth-round pick. Lions took him in the third round. Took him in the third round when guys like Harrison Phillips were still available. Obana and Wonkru, the edge rusher from Oklahoma, was still available. Positions of much bigger need. I mean, I understand Patricia likes to play three safety sets. Lions already have f- four safeties on the t- on the roster right now. Assuming Quandre Diggs stays at strong safety, you're going to have him, Glover Quinn, Killabrew and Tavon Wilson, who they just re-signed. So that's four. So you're telling me that when you've got huge needs on the defensive line and at edge rusher, you're taking a safety to be, what, your fifth safety this year and a special teams guy in the third round from Louisiana Lafayette? Really? I mean, again, that to me is a team that can take a flyer on a guy. And, you know, look, he might be the heir apparent of Glover Quinn. I get it. Glover Quinn's 32 years old. Uh, worry about next year, next year. When you have depth at that position this year and you, you, you have glaring holes at other positions and there are good players available at those positions of need, you take them. And the other thing that really irked me about it was they showed a shot of the Lions' war room when they made the pick. They showed Bob Quinn, the GM, and Matt Patricia, the head coach, hooting and hollering and high-fiving and back-slapping like they just drafted Barry Sanders. Now, I understand. Look, you have to understand that you're talking to— this is somebody who who has had 40 years of the ball moved pulled away when they were going to kick the field goal like Charlie Brown, Okay. 40 years of being a Lions fan So forgive me If I'm not ready to just blindly accept Every move that Bob Quinn makes And I'm going to be skeptical When they take a safety Not a position of need In the third round That nobody ever heard of From Louisiana Lafayette I'm sorry If I'm not thrilled with that pick It seems arrogant beyond belief to me Now Now they didn't have a fourth round pick because they traded it to get on Johnson, but then they traded to get into the fourth round, next year's third round pick, to take Deshaun Hand, defensive tackle slash defensive end from Alabama. While I have no problem with the player, because it's a position of need, the Lions defensive line coach this year was the defensive line coach at Alabama, not last year, but the years before, so he knows the kid well. And he fits what Matt Patricia wants to do And boy, does he ever look the part Now, his production was not much to speak of at Alabama Hard to judge those Alabama D-linemen Look, they put 60 D-linemen in the pros the last three years Two years ago, it was Ashawn Robinson, who the Lions have now And Jaron Reed, who went to Seattle Last year, it was Anderson and Allen that went to the Redskins And this year, it was uh, uh, Deron Payne, who went 13 And now this guy So, I get it like, you're not going to probably put up huge uh, numbers in a rotation with guys that are all that good. And, you know, he, he wasn't asked to really rush the pass or much in college. They do a lot of blitzing there, which apparently is what the lines are going to do, too. So I have no problem. I'm not even going to knock him for not having much production. You know, this is a guy, by the way, who was the number one defensive line recruiter coming out of high school and went to Alabama. He was supposed to be a big deal. Never really materialized in his college career But bored has he ever looked apart I mean he's 6'4", a sculpted 300 pounds Long arms I mean he, he, he looks like Calais Campbell But four inches shorter So I don't mind the pick In fact I like the pick But what I don't like is trading away A third round pick next year To move into the draft the fourth round this year Because now you're compounding your mistake Which was trading that fourth round pick to begin with To go get on Johnson Now, to be fair, the Lions do have extra picks in the 5th and 6th round next year as a re- result of some trades they made last year, namely Lakin Tomlinson to the Niners for a 5th round pick and Johnson Betamosi to the, Patriot, the Patriots for a 6th round pick. So at least they have some extra picks, but if a 3rd round pick a big deal. I mean, if you're doing this right, your 3rd round pick should be, if not a starter, a guy who contributes a lot in his first year. You know, assuming the guy doesn't get injured. So, again, like the player, didn't like having to trade into the fourth round again by giving up, giving away a third-round pick next year. Now, maybe the best pick of this whole draft was the fifth-round pick, Tyrell Crosby, the offensive tackle from uh, Oregon. Now, on its surface, offensive tackle wouldn't look like a huge need given the fact that the Lions just spent a first-round pick on one two years ago and doled out a big free agent contract to one last year. But, as we all saw last year when... Decker was hurt. The Lions were forced to scramble and trade for a Greg Robinson and play him. And then when he got hurt, you know they're playing guys they sign off the street like Brian Mahalek, who actually did a decent job the one game he started against uh, the Steelers. But you know Crosby was a second round prospect who fell because of some concussion concerns, which he claims are fine. The Lions medical team checked him out and they, they claim he's fine. And there's some and he played left tackle and right tackle. Didn't allow a sack all year his senior year uh, at Oregon And was voted the Pac-12 Offensive Lineman of the Year So, I mean, really good pick Great value And, again, on the surface, not maybe not a position of need But you can never have too many good offensive linemen So, I like that pick a lot Lions didn't have a six-round pick We talked about that because they traded away for uh, carry on John uh for uh, Greg Robinson um, Which was fine um, and then in the seventh round They took a fullback Because apparently they're bringing the fullback Back now this guy Nick Borden from San Diego State Who, you know, look Was the lead blocker for the last two years He was uh, um, Rashad Penny's lead blocker this year Rashad Penny had 2,200 yards He was Danell Pumphrey's lead blocker the year before He had over 2,000 yards I mean, you know For, for, for what he is, he's good I just, again, to me, fullbacks you don't waste draft picks on. Because hardly any teams use fullbacks. And they're generally undrafted free agents. And, like, I don't know, how about Jeff Holland out of Auburn, the edge rusher, in the seventh round instead? Now, the Lions argument would be, well, we wanted to make sure we got them. And, you know, with the undrafted free agents, you never know. It's, you know, it's a, it's a land grab with those guys. All right, I guess. And I get it. Look, the Lions were the worst team in football last year in short yardage situations, both on the goal line and when they needed to get a yard on either third or fourth down. They were a horror show. I mean, you could argue that had they had even a, a, a reasonably effective short yardage running game last year, they go 11-5 and five because they wouldn't have had to throw the ball Down on the one yard line against Atlanta When uh, Golden Tate Came up a half a yard short And they certainly wouldn't have come away with no points all those times Or no touchdowns in that Sunday night game Against the Steelers where they lost by like three So I get it I understand what Quinn's doing here He said enough of us Being pushovers in the run game I'm going to make sure we fix that So he took two offensive linemen and a fullback And he signed a big bruising Smash mouth power back 250 pound Garrett Blount all well and good. But where are we getting a pass rush from? Lions pass rush last year was anemic. Now, I understand they re-signed Ziggy Ansah. Ziggy Ansah did not have a good year last year. He had 12 sacks, the most deceiving 12-sack season in the history of pro football. He had three in the last game against a back, backups on the Packers in a meaningless game. He had three in week two against the horrendous Eric Flowers on the Giants, who got moved to right tackle. He was so bad that the, the, the Dave Gettleman's first order of business was to get rid of him, the new GM for the Giants, get him out of left tackle, throw a ton of dough at Nate Solder, who's good but not great, and they're moving him over to right tackle, maybe. But they tried to trade him. They tried like hell to trade him during the draft. Nobody wanted him. Nobody even wanted to give up a fifth-round pick. That's how bad Eric Flowers is. So Ziggy had six of his 12 sacks came against those two teams. Then he got another three in a game that they lost to the Bengals, the second to last week, also against backups. I mean, he had a solid eight games last year where he was non-existent. Now, I get it. He's banged up, and he's tough as nails, too. He tries. He gives you everything he has, and he plays through injuries. But he's been greatly diminished the last two years because of injuries. Is there any reason to think that that's not going to happen again? I mean, he's basically, other than his breakout year where he had 14.5 sacks, I mean, his first two years were pretty good, 7585 and, and sacks aren't the end-all be-all, right? Pressures, you know, if you pressure a guy and then somebody else on the line gets a sack, right? Call those bird dog sacks where you force the quarterback into somebody else. So it's not only sacks, but I mean... Anybody who watched the Lions last year knows there were games where you didn't even know Ziggy Onsau was on the field. Now, I know the problem with the Lions giving him the, the, uh, the, the uh, franchise tag for one year. That's fine. They had the cap space to do it. And again, if he's ever right, he's great. But he, he has not been right for two years now. He gets nicked up a lot. So, short of him, where else are you getting a pass rush from? Kerry Hyder? I mean, he was a nice little story two years ago. Came out of nowhere to make the team the last preseason game as an undrafted free agent. Had eight sacks, seven of them came in the first uh, in the first half of the year. He had won the last, the second half of the year, and then he blew out his Achilles in a preseason last year. So I mean, he's certainly no guarantee. You know, the next closest guy was is the free agent they signed uh, Devin Kennard, From the Giants, who had four sacks for the Giants last year. So, pass rush is going to be a big problem. And I get it. Look, Quinn is putting a ton of faith into Patricia and his schemes and what he's going to be able to do. He thinks Patricia is going to be able to scheme around a lack of talent at pass rusher. And he very well might. But, you know, at some point you have to have players... You know, Patricia could be the greatest defensive mind in the history of the game. If you don't have anybody who can play, I don't care how good you are. And I'm not saying the lines don't have anybody who can play. Look, secondary is very good. Linebackers should be good this year. We'll see. Right? Jared Davis hopefully is going to make major strides from rookie year to this year. Kennard, Christian Jones, the other free agent they sign. We'll see. If Jalen reeves maybe can take a big step forward A lot of people are writing him off Because he's a smaller linebacker And the Patriots employ a lot of big linebackers Patriots also played um, The guy from Houston that I loved oh, Of course, now I can't remember his name uh, Landon Robert, uh, uh, Landon Roberts, what's his name? Oh boy Hold on, we're going to have to go look it up um a Landon Roberts. Anyway, uh, small guy, six oh two thirty. So before we write Jalen Reeves Mabin off, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so quick to do that. I think Patricia will find a, a role for him to play on his defense. So I get it. Quinn's putting all his eggs in the Matt Patricia basket and saying he can overcome a lack of talent through scheme. You know that works in high school. It works to a certain degree in college. I don't know how much that works in the NFL. And you could tell me, well, Jamal, they made the playoffs last year. Uh, they made the Super Bowl last year. They did. They also got roasted by the likes of Nick of Nick Foles. You know, when the Steelers, and granted, the Steelers have one of the best offenses in the world, but when the Steelers needed a touchdown last year, they went right down the field and scored one, except for that stupid non-touchdown call with Jesse James, right? But they did. And I'm not blaming Matt Patricia I'm fully on board with the fact That Matt Patricia is a great defensive mind And a really good coach But again you can only do so much You got to have some talented players You got to have guys that can get after the quarterback Sometimes you got to have guys That are just better than the other team's guys Line up one on one I'm going to beat your butt And then you know The sort of quasi-under-the-radar portion of the draft Are the undrafted free agents, right? The Lions have had decent success in years past With undrafted free agents As a matter of fact, Martin Mayhew's drafts were largely forgettable But he did unearth some pretty good players Through the undrafted free agent route Lee Adrian Waddell was a good player Joe Foray had the one year as a red zone tight end Was an undrafted free agent I mean, they've had some guys Kerry Hyder mentioned him earlier so there are guys You can find decent players Because remember, the draft wasn't always 7 rounds It used to be 12 rounds It used to be more than that way back in the day But in the fairly modern era, it was a 12 round draft You know, I always, I always go back to my man from Maryland J.B. Brown Was a 12th round pick by the Dolphins He played in the league 10 years So, you know, you can hit on some guys And there were two guys in particular I wanted the Lions to sign as undrafted free agents One was Jeff Holland from Auburn Who I love who I thought would be the kind of guy Patricia would like. I know he doesn't look the part. He's got a bad body. He's 6'1", 248 pounds. He doesn't run a, bla- a, sub, a blazing 40. He's like a 4'8", 40 guy. Just watch his tape at Auburn. The guy knows how to rush the passer. And he plays his butt off. Denver signed him. Denver signed him. Denver, who has Von Miller, drafted Bradley Chubb, and also has uh, Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett on their team. So they've got four good pass rushers And they still signed him But the Lions couldn't be bothered The Lions were too busy signing more defensive backs As undrafted free agents And wide receivers The two deepest positions on a team And then the other guy I loved Was Hercules Mata'afa out of Washington State Again, guy who kind of doesn't necessarily have a true position He played some D-tackle Very undersized at 250 pounds Played some linebacker You would think, again, that would be the type of guy That Patricia could find a way to, to deploy Guess who signed him? The Vikings The Vikings' whose defense is far superior to the Lions But yet somehow they felt it was worth a shot Taking a flyer on him But the Lions apparently had no interest So look I get it Another way to improve the defense is to have a really good offense And if the Lions are going to have a good running game this year Short yardage and otherwise That should improve the offense greatly If you're playing from ahead a lot, that helps, you know. And and late in the fourth quarter, with you know a one-score lead or less than a one-score lead, you know, if you're able to run the clock out or pick up a big crucial, you know, third down and one, because you can give the ball to Blount and bash through guys and run the clock out. Yeah, guess what? Now you don't have to put your defense back on the field and pray and hope and cross your fingers. That the defense is going to be able to stop the other team's offense. I understand. It's more than one way to skin a cat. I get it. I just was disappointed in this draft. Disappointed. I hope, by the way, I'm dead wrong. I will be, you know, look. Let on Johnson go for 100 yards and two touchdowns his first game. Let Tracy Walker have a big interception or a big pass breakup. You know, and let the fullback you know pave the way for a 150-yard rushing game overall for the Lions. I'll be thrilled. I'll come. I'll do a podcast after Week One, and I'll be the first one to say I'm a dope and I don't know anything. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Okay, we are back here on a draft recap edition of Jamal about sports. Just finished up. My take on the Lions draft Now we move on to some teams I thought really Nailed it And we'll start locally here With uh, the New York football Giants Um, You talk about a team That had a plan Knew exactly what they wanted to do And executed it Flawlessly Uh, The Giants would be The poster children for that Exact strategy Uh, I know my man Justin Rubin Is ecstatic uh, they took Barkley number two. Uh, he and I talked about it before the draft. That's what he wanted. I agreed. I thought it made the most sense. Look, I get it. Eli's 37. I get the, 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 the temptation to say, when's the next time the Giants going to be picking this high? Look, other than Mayfield, Darnold, and Rosen, you know, and all of those guys have question marks. None of them are a sure thing. Those three guys I liked, I didn't like Josh Allen at all Josh Allen to me is a second round pick Could he be good someday? Does he have a big arm and the size and all that? Does he look like he's right out of central casting For an NFL quarterback? Yeah He also stunk the joint out at Wyoming Looks lost at times Bad footwork, doesn't see the field Guy needs a lot of work I understand you can make the argument He didn't have a lot of great talent around him Okay, he also didn't play against very good talent and when they did play against a Power 5 conference He was terrible Now I watched his bowl game Because I was interested to see And yeah, he makes some throws That your, draw, your jaw will hit the floor They're so good But I think the Giants Getting back to them Did the exact right thing here Look, Barkley is, is a transformational type of player Right? This idea You know, I love how groupthink takes over sports now Right. And so because for a few years there it didn't make sense supposedly to take running backs high because you can get guys in the third round. Well, guess what? That started getting debunked this year. Because all these guys like Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and Rashad Penny were supposed to be available in the second or third round. They all went earlier than everybody thought. All of them. And Barkley is a stud. He's six feet two thirty-three. Sub 4-4, his time speed is his play speed. You see it at tons of big plays at, at Penn State. He catches the ball, he'll block, he can return kicks. I mean, he won't for the Giants, but he did in college. He's a great kid. And again, you help your team in a lot of ways. Look what it did for Dallas two years ago when they had... When they drafted Zeke Elliott And they, they got a full great year out of him They took a fourth round quarterback Named Dak Prescott That nobody thought could play in the pros right away And, it, and they won and won what 12 games And should have won a playoff game against Green Bay If not for the magic of Aaron Rodgers A great offensive line And a great back And Elliott as much of a jerk as he might be off the field Is a great back Because he does everything Just like Saquon Barkley And I understand Eli's looked bad the last two years The team has been bad Giants have had one of the worst offensive lines in football The last couple years Then plus last year anybody who was halfway decent got hurt You know Including OBJ I mean by the end of the year Evan Engram was the only guy They had the rookie tight end You know Shepard showed a lot and he got hurt And they never had a running game And they never had an offensive line I don't think it's unreasonable to think Eli can give you two more solid years. Again, you're not asking him. You know, you don't want Eli throwing the ball 40 times a game anymore. And now we won't have to. So I thought taking Barkley there at number two was a no-brainer. He's the best player in the draft. And, of course, the Browns could have had him, but the Browns are the Browns. So they went, and I love ba- Baker Mayfield. Don't get me wrong. I do. I wouldn't have taken him one, though. Then in the second round they took one of my favorite players in this draft Will Hernandez, the guy from UTEP Now I will be honest I'd never heard of the guy until the senior bowl But I watch every senior bowl practice I watch him win All of his one-on-one reps at the senior bowl I watch them in the game Then I watch some of his film Guy's a beast, he's an absolute monster Gettleman said We want some hog mollies, we gotta get tough We gotta improve this offensive line He signed Nate Solder who again He's not great but he's good Forget about the money with Nate Solder. It was a big position in need for the Giants. He's still, what, 29, 30 years old? He's not over the hill yet. He's a solid left. Look, he's good enough to play, start a left tackle for the Patriots the last five years, right? He may not be Anthony Munoz, but he's a solid enough player. And now you plug Will Hernandez in, a left guard next to him, and now you just improved your offensive line in a big way. So I love that pick. Lorenzo Carter in the third round, this kid from Georgia. I mean, talk about tools, 5'40". Five, five, you know, didn't put up huge sack numbers at Georgia, but every time I watch a Georgia game, which is a lot, you notice him. Now he's got, you know, he's got to develop. But as 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 a guy, as a rotational player, probably, his rookie year, and, and, and James Betcher, the new defensive coordinator, the guy who came from Arizona, who does a great job of mixing and matching guys, I bet you they get a lot out of him. I love that pick. Put it this way. He was a third-round pick. I would have been thrilled if the Lions took him in the second round. Then they took B.J. Hill, another one of my favorite players, a stout defensive tackle from NC State, and another third-round pick they had. Then they took Kyle Oletta, the quarterback from Richmond, in the fourth round, who people really like, looked very good at the Senior Bowl, decent size, has all the intangibles, doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Okay, guess what? You got Davis Webb, who, again, Looks the the part, big, strong, strong arm, and you let those guys battle it out all training camp and uh, and preseason, and you see who wins the backup job, and then you develop the other guy, smart, and then they took R.J. McIntosh in the fifth round, defensive alignment from Miami, also uh, a guy that's got you know good size and some certainly has potential. I, I look, the Giants clearly had a plan; they stuck to it. It's obvious what they wanted to do, and they did it. They want to get bigger, stronger, particularly on offense and, and the offensive line. Similar to the Lions in that respect. Except they got the best running back in the draft. The Lions got about the 10th best running back. And to me, they got the best guard in the draft, or one of them, in Will Hernandez. I mean, look, I, if you told me the Lions would have taken Will Hernandez in the first round, Lorenzo Carter in the second round, and Royce Freeman, running back from Oregon that... Uh, I think Denver took in the third round, I would have been thrilled. So, I thought the Giants nailed it. Another team, another team I thought did a nice job was Tennessee. They did, let's see, well, they took um... Rashawn Evans, linebacker Out of Alabama, was in need Right They lost one of their top linebackers Went to the Jets in free agency Um, They took Rashawn Evans He'll plug and play Then they took Harold Landry in the second round Pass rusher Dane Cruickshank in the fifth round Corner slash safety from Arizona And then Luke Falk The quarterback from Washington State In the sixth round As a, you know, to be a backup to Mariota And then, you know, you never know I mean, you know, when the Redskins And I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins guy, as you know But the Redskins still came into fourth round The same year they traded up to get RG3 Worked out pretty well So I thought Tennessee had a nice draft Particularly at the top, getting Landry in the second round And taking Evans To really beef up that defense Which is pretty good to begin with anyway Um, I thought Atlanta Had a really nice draft Um I mean, look, was receiver a big need for them? Probably not, right? They've got Julio Jones, but you know, Julio Jones is a little bit like Calvin Johnson. I mean, he's great, and he's a total stud. He also gets banged up a lot. And you know, Mohamed Sanu's a nice possession type receiver. Taylor Gabriel's a nice, you know, deep threat. They just took Calvin Ridley. You know, Calvin Ridley at worst should be the number two guy. While they still get a few more years of at his prime out of Julio Jones. But, you know, if Julio Jones were to get hurt and, you know, he played banged up a lot last year. You know, Calvin really could certainly be the heir apparent to him. Then they took Isaiah Oliver in the second round the corner from Colorado. Really good player uh, to add to, you know, Trufant and um, Alford back there. Dedrin Sinat, the D-tackle from South Florida in the third round is a good pick. Ido Smith, the scat back out of Southern Miss, is a nice pick. Even though, you know, they're too deep already. With Tevin Coleman and uh, the kid from Florida State. But, you know, I think Tevin Coleman is going to be free agent after this year. So I thought they did a really nice job. And I thought the Redskins did a nice job. I hate to say it, but look... A lot of people had the Redskins taking Geis in the first round at 13. Well, they got Deron Payne at 13, who's going to be a stud in the NFL. And then they got Geis in the second round, and they didn't have to trade up or anything to get him. He just fell to them. Now, the rest of their draft, eh. I like Tim Settle in the fifth round, the D-tackle from Virginia Tech. Greg Stroman... Uh, The corner from Virginia Tech, good pick from the 7th round. Even Trey Quinn, little slot receiver at SMU in the 7th round. I mean, I I thought the Redskins had a nice draft, but again, to me, the big win there was getting Darius Geis in the 2nd round, and they didn't have to make a trade or anything to get him. So, uh, those are some of the teams I liked a lot. You know, look, Green Bay, I thought, did a nice job. Going heavy with corners. They had one of the worst pass defenses in the league last year. And actually, I thought the Jets did a pretty good job. Look, you know, Darnold kind of fell into their laps. Good for them. You know, he's 20 years old. It's funny. They just said you, there's a story that Josh McCowns has a daughter who's about the same age as Sam Darnold. But I like the Nathan Shepherd pick in the third round. The tight end from Miami, Chris Herndon, in the fourth round. If he's healthy, I think he'll play and play right away and play well. He's a dual threat. He can block and he can catch. I liked uh, Folo Faticasi out of Yukon, a local kid from Far Rockaway defensive lineman in the 6th round and Parry Nickerson, the corner from Tulane, also in the 6th round very interesting, smallish kind of slight, really fast and can play you know, you would think he could develop into a solid slot corner and eventually replace uh, Buster Screen so I thought those teams all had really good drafts um, you know, some other teams, not as much. Saints head-scratching move, trading up as much as they did to get Marcus Davenport, the the you know the the the, the tall, lanky edge rusher from, from University of Texas San Antonio. A lot of people had him going in the first round, and he went 16. So the fact that they traded up from 27 to get him, they gave up a lot to get him. Um, and the rest of their draft uh, underwhelming, to say the least. But, you know, look, they nailed it last year. Nobody had a better draft than the Saints last year. So you got to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Um, And, you know, this year we'll see, too. But, I mean, last year's draft, you know, Ramchick played every down and right tackle. They killed it with Kamara in the third round. Lattimore was a stud at corner. Marcus Williams, despite that, you know, boneheaded, blown tackle that cost him the game against the Vikings in the playoffs, had a very good year of free safety for them. I mean that's four guys right there, and they all played a ton and they all played well. I mean that's that's huge. So you can give them the benefit of the doubt. I just again I'm not a big fan of trading up, and you know they gave up a lot to get a guy who is a is by no means a sure thing. I mean a big. I mean by, he's got all the measurables: 6'6", 264 ran sub four six forty. You know he looked pretty good at the senior bowl going against better competition, but you know that he is by, sure, by far a sure thing. All right, switching gears. Let's go to the NBA and the Cleveland Cavaliers, finally in Game 7, closing out uh, the Pacers, who, look, they gave LeBron and company all they could handle. They blew them out in Game 6 by 30. Right? So of course, people started to write Cleveland off. I mean, I don't know why you would do that. I mean, you can, you, if, if you watch the NBA playoffs and you pay attention, one, one game has very little to do with the next. Like last night, Philadelphia looked bad against the Celtics. They're not going to get swept. I, I will, I, I, I'll say it right now, that, game, that series is going seven games. They had a bad first game. Now, my guy, Terry Rogier, is playing his tail off for the Celtics, playing great. But you know? Sixers just, they didn't have it last night. It happens. Um, but getting back to Cleveland, I mean, <laughs> that LeBron, I, I mean, you talk about a guy who just, he just wills that team to wins. I mean, he just, he's put that team on his back and he just wills them to wins. I mean, look what he did in that game seven. Well, first of all, you look at what he did in Game 5 when he got the block shot. Now, yes, it should have been called a goaltend in retrospect. But at one end, he gets a block shot in a tie game. And then at the other end, he hits a three with the, buzz, with the buzz, at the buzzer to win the game. 98-95. I mean, and in that game, let's see. Hold on. Let me go to his stat line in that game because it was ridiculous. LeBron in that game for all the LeBron haters out there 44 points, 8 assists, 10 rebounds 15 for 15 from the foul line 14 for 24 and he made 1-3 oh, it happened to be the game winner and then in game 7 if we can get to it apparently we can't Hold on. I'm going to find the box score. Here it is. Sunday's box score. In game seven, oh, and by the way, he's playing almost the whole game. He's playing like 44 minutes, 46 minutes. In game seven, just for fun, he threw in 45 points, seven assists, four steals, eight rebounds. 16 for 25 from the field. 11 for 15 from the foul line. Not great. We talked about it, though. That, that's the one chink in his armor right he he sometimes gets streaky and not in a good way from the foul line he'll miss some foul shots but i mean so in in the in in the last two wins that they had 44 points 45 points and a game buzzer beater for three and a block shot at the other end before that in game 5 <clears throat> i mean I, I, what what more do you want the guy to do and can we stop with the michael jordan comparisons already now please can we just appreciate lebron James's greatness in this moment and in this context and for what it is. What is the obsession with constantly trying when was the last time Michael Jordan played a game in the NBA? Michael Jordan is the owner for that disaster Charlotte Bobcats team, okay, that stinks year in and year out. That's what LeBron that's what Michael Jordan is in the NBA right now. <clears throat> you could give LeBron James the MVP every year. Now, James Harden had a great year, and I have no problem with him getting it. I had no problem with my man, Russell Westbrook, getting it last year. But if you wanted to give it to him every year, you could, and nobody would say boo. And for him to drag this team that's not very good, okay, this is not a good Cavaliers team. I mean, look, they finally got some contributions from some, some supporting cast members, you know, give Ty Lue some credit. Not did not have a great series, but he inserted Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup, a guy who had been a big part of the rotation, and then barely played this whole series. Put him in. He gave them fifteen and ten, and a big spark early in that game. You know, Kevin Love was not great. He had fourteen points, but he made four four for eight from three. He chipped in at least and six rebounds, and then George Hill who was hurt and missed a bunch. You know, he wasn't great. His line doesn't look great. He had 11 points, but he was 9 for 11 from the foul line. He had six rebounds, three assists, played well, gave him some good minutes. But, I mean, you know, look. I mean, Kyle Korver, 1 for 7. J.R. Smith, 3 for 9. Larry Nance Jr., 0 for 2. Jordan Clarkson, 0 for 4. I mean, there's not one... The only somewhat all-star left on this team is Kevin Love, and he's playing hurt with a torn ligament, I think, on his left thumb. And, you know, he's he's been injured a bunch this year, right? He had concussion, and... I mean, he's... he's Kevin Love is, is, is not the same player that he was even two or three years ago. So, I mean, LeBron is doing this... Pretty much he's a one-man gang. And he has to be. So... It'll be interesting to see. I, it, I don't think it's sustainable. I think Toronto gets past them in six games, maybe even five. Um, but, you know, again, I, I still don't understand the faction of people out there that want to take shots at LeBron. I, I mean, I just don't get it. Boston, Philly, we talked a little bit about that. Look, Rogier played great last night. Tatum played great last night. Stevens is probably the best coach in the NBA. Uh, maybe, you know, this side of Popovich. You know, they, they've, uh, they've got guys, you know, he, not that he's great. But even Shane Larkin, who was a bust for both the Knicks and the Nets, gives them some meaningful minutes every now and then. I mean, he's not a star by any stretch of the imagination. But the fact that he's even A, in the NBA, and B, contributing on a playoff team is stunning. Stunning. Looked like one of the worst players I've ever seen when he was on the Knicks and the Nets. Brad Stevens and that coaching staff has to get some credit for that. You know, I mean, look, the Celtics... No, Kyrie Irving. They just got Marcus Smart back. You know, Marcus Smart's not a box score guy. He's, I mean, he might give you five rebounds, four assists. You know, he's an intangibles guy. He's not a scorer. He can't shoot, but he's a glue guy. He plays good defense. He's a hack. I mean, he's a he. He will you know murder you on the court. You know, he tries to. He'll do everything he can until they finally call a foul on him. But. If you're a fan of that team, you want a guy like Marcus Smart on your team. If you don't like the Celtics, you can't stand Marcus Smart. But if you're a Celtics fan, you love him. Every team could use a guy like Marcus Smart. And, you know, Jalen Brown is, is, is very good. He had a really good second year. Tatum has had a great rookie year. And Rogier's playing great. I mean, he, I mean, Rozier, I think, had 27-8 and eight the other night. I mean, I, you, you, you'd be hard-pressed to get a better game from Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's playing like Kyrie Irving. He's playing great. Now, he's not giving it to you night in and night out, but he's had some monster games for the Celtics so far. Can we please get him in a Knicks uniform? Is that possible? Is there a way to figure that out? I would like that very much. And then, you know, everybody got all excited, myself included, about the Pelicans. You know, they lost pretty easily. To Golden State in game one They play tonight in game two We'll see if uh, New Orleans can bounce back I think Curry is back tonight too though, by the way Which is not going to make it easy for New Orleans I mean, unless he's completely rusty And he shoots, you know, three for 14 But again, you know If Durant and, 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 and Clay Thompson have really good games that, and that's, Sometimes that's all you need That's how good those guys are So, And their, their role players stepped up And played really well against New Orleans And New Orleans' backcourt had a terrible game Holiday and Rondo play terrible in the first in the first round. And the other thing that makes Golden State tough is that Draymond Green, who's like 6'7 with long arms, can go out and guard guards sometimes. And I mean, he was guarding Rondo in that game. You know, he was making it difficult. I mean, Damon Lillard's a really nice offensive player for Portland. He don't play any defense. He can't guard anybody. And the same thing with CJ McCollum. You know, it's interesting to see. We'll see if. Portland and the Wizards break up those backcourts because they're both backcourt-heavy teams, right? They're two best players on the teams by far, both the backcourt guys. Beal and John Wall do not appear to be a good match at all. They can't stand each other. The whole team can't stand John Wall, by the way. And then, of course, on his way after they got knocked out, shockingly enough, by Toronto in the Can't Trust Them series, he, of course, had a million things to say about they need this, they need that, whatever. But, again, I'm on record. I'll say it again. If John Wall is your top dog, you're never doing anything in this league. Nothing. Nothing. So it'll be interesting to see if Washington finally realizes they got to break that up. And the same thing with Portland. Because McCollum and Lillard are like the same guy. They're both scoring guards. Now, they're both really good players. Really good scorers. Talented. But it doesn't work. It's not working Yeah you'll win 45 games Make the playoffs Then you get swept In the first round And then lastly Before we sign off Just a quick note On the Mets One is this Can you please Go get us a catcher Sandy Alderson You know he did His, his weekly press conference Today and of course We had all the same Tired excuses No anybody significant No one's looking To deal yet It's amazing Sandy Olsen, every year it's the same thing When the Mets clearly have a need And it's early in the year It's the woe is me, nobody wants to make any deals And I guarantee you in three weeks Somebody trades for one of these catchers Like Wilson Ramos from uh, Tampa Bay Wilson Ramos rather Who the Mets should be all over right now The Mets do not have a major league quality catcher On their team right now No offense, Jose Lobaton Or Thomas Nido, But they are not major league quality they, neither of them can hit a lick And they're not nearly good enough Defensively to support their poor offense And in fact It took about 15 games before they even threw One runner out trying to steal Do they, Might they call a decent game? Sure They seem to be better at blocking balls in the dirt Than the other two disasters Ta- Travis Darnell and Kevin Ploiecki But that's not saying much and don't give me this, you're going to wait it out Until Kevin Ploiecki comes back First of all, I broke his hand You have no idea when he's going to be back And second of all, he's not, not all that good either So go get a catcher And stop giving me this woe-is-me nonsense Sandy Olsen that you do every single year And then the second is Apparently there's a report that Matt Harvey Was out partying in L.A. when the Mets were in San Diego And then he pitched the next day Well guess what, he's not a starting pitcher anymore He doesn't know when the hell he's coming in the game He's a reliever So, people are all upset. Oh, he was out partying the night before he pitched. Big deal. And I can guarantee you, by the way, that probably half the Mets team was out partying. I can guarantee you that probably more than half. Three quarters of Major League Baseball, these guys go out after games. And so what? Who cares? These guys are you know, 27, 28 years old Millionaires What do you think they're going to do? They're supposed to be hermits And single too, by the way They're supposed to be hermits Supposed to sit, sit, sit in their hotel room And rent a movie And go to bed at 10.30 Come on I love all, all the morality police out there now Judging Matt Harvey's off the field lifestyle Please, knock it off Again I get that the optics, as everyone likes to say, are bad because he got all mad that he got sent to the bullpen. It let him get mad. You know, that's one thing about top-level athletes. They all have massive egos, all of them. And, that's what, and oftentimes, that's what makes these guys as good as they are. They're combative. They have big egos. They're competitive. And then everybody got all mad because he didn't want to talk to the media two weeks ago. And they asked him and he said not a chance guys and they said come on why not and then he said no effing chance or I don't I don't bleeping want to. And everybody got all mad. Well, you know what? If I remember correctly, last year when uh, he did miss or he got to the ballpark late and the Mets suspended him Because he was out all night the night before Yes, that's a bad look But then it came out that the reason he was doing that supposedly Is because he was distraught because his model girlfriend Broke up with him And the, the New York tabloids had a field day Mocking him and ridiculing him As a result of that Making fun of the fact that he got dumped by a model girlfriend Making him look like an idiot and a loser And all this stuff But now they're all of a sudden they're all surprised That he doesn't want to be buddy-buddy with him And, get, and grant them an interview It's interesting how that works, huh? And I'm not saying these specific writers wrote articles, but the papers that they work for had no problem printing back page headlines, making him look like a fool. And granted, again, he put he brought part of it on himself, but again, you can separate the two, right? Being out till four in the morning and they're not showing up for work, bad luck. They met, suspended him, fine. But then to, to, to publicly take glee in his heartbreak, that's a whole other thing. And so I don't blame him for not exactly wanting to... Be all chummy With the New York tabloid media now And I'm not a big Matt Harvey guy Look, I've said it before He doesn't have any stuff left Tommy John surgery and thoracic outlet surgery Nobody's had both those injuries Ever before, I believe, in Major League Baseball Some guys have had each of them, nobody's had both And you can just tell when you watch him pitch His stuff is not there anymore Could he maybe turn into A somewhat effective reliever because obviously, you know, you're pitching to a much lim- much more limited amount of players. Maybe. And look, if the Mets turn around and traded Matt Harvey tomorrow, I wouldn't blink. Fine. You're not going to get anything for him right now. But that's fine. But I mean, enough with the Matt Harvey stories. No one cares. He's barely on the team. All right. That'll do it for this week's show. As always, thanks for listening. Check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on SoundCloud. Check me out on Twitter, at JamalAboutSport. Enjoy all the NBA and the Major League Baseball. We'll be back next week with another show, but until then, peace out.